This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined as always by my co-host and fellow senior writer Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I'm uh, just enjoying the intro music to the podcast. <laughs> it's, always, it's always in my head, and I like hearing it every every episode. Keeps me up at night. Yes, yes. And <laughs> it's a big week. It is uh, WrestleMania week. Uh, as we're talking, uh, it's about, I guess, three or four days uh, before the show. I'm heading out there, heading out with the, the family on Friday. Uh, gonna catch as much as I can. Mania, NXT, uh, maybe one of the WrestleCon shows. Uh, so very much looking forward to it. Haven't gone to one of these in a while. Um, and it is a loaded lineup. We will go go over uh, most, if not all, the matches, uh, depending on how we do on time here, uh, in just a, a moment. Give our thoughts on the buildup and um, what we expect to see in New Orleans. On Sunday, uh, get that to that in just uh, a moment. And also, uh, Dan, for uh, you've got an interview coming up at the end of the show. Why don't you tell them a bit about who you talked to? Yeah, well, we'll be talking a lot about WrestleMania, but uh, our interview this week will not be WWE. It'll be with Impact. It's Sienna, uh, two-time Knockouts champion, also known as Allison Kay. I uh, had an opportunity to talk to her last week. Uh, really good interview. I, I enjoyed it a lot, uh, if I can say so. Um, but she was very open about... Uh, her current situation, she has a, a medical condition that, uh, that's been keeping her out of the ring, uh, blood clots in the lungs, actually, that she talks about. And she has some interesting ideas of how that may have happened and, and what the future holds for um, Plus some great just overall thoughts about the current state of wrestling today. So uh, it's, uh, it's something worth uh, sticking around for. Yeah, absolutely. And and we are going to talk mania, but while you mention it, Impact's been on something of a roll. I think they've been... Uh... Um, topping their best ratings uh, in quite a while. I think going back to the the Hardy stuff the last couple weeks. So whatever they're doing, they seem to be uh, sparking some interest. Uh, So, uh, and I hope to check out their show. They've got uh, an Impact versus Lucha Underground in New Orleans um, over WrestleCon uh, this weekend. And I hope to be able to see that live. So um, anyhow, uh, so we'll hear from uh, Sienna in just a moment. Uh, right now, let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, mine arrived in my, my mailbox last week, so if you're a subscriber, you should have yours. If you're a digital subscriber, you had it weeks ago. Um, and uh, another fantastic issue, it is uh, the big report cards issue. Uh, Dan, you look at uh, how many is it? It's dozens and dozens of wrestlers, right? Yeah, the top uh, 100, basically. So uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's a crapshoot. You want to pick um, 100 high-profile wrestlers, but also have people, not necessarily ones who are having a great, you know, you don't want 100 people getting an A. So you get some people who are having, you know, they're in WWE, they're featured, but they're having a bad year, for example, or Impact, and uh, some of the indies and internationally, Ring of Honor, and so on. So it's a good cross-section of the sport, and uh, we break through everything that they've done over the past uh a year or so and give them our grade and a little uh, explanation why yep and uh much more in this issue we've got my hot seat interview with uh the raw women's champion alexa bliss uh, i've got a feature in here about austin aries uh, returning to impact winning the title uh what it could mean for impact 
Uh, what else is in here? Uh, a fun feature on Kurt Hawkins, of all people, fellow Long Islander, and the the streak he's got going. Not exactly the kind of streak you'd want if you're a pro wrestler, and they referenced that on uh, Raw this past Monday night with his little run-in with Braun uh, Strowman. Uh, what else? Uh, we got a big feature on the Raw 25th anniversary uh, with lots of fantastic photos. Um, and uh, you've got a fun feature, our annual WrestleMania feature. We always kind of have to get creative with it because when we're putting the magazine together, we really don't know what's going to be on, on the show. Uh, so you had some fun talking about uh, stars who never competed at WrestleMania, and maybe you thought they did, and uh, some stars that maybe you forgot competed at WrestleMania uh, and actually did. Um, so what what did you learn from that? Were there some names that jumped out of you and took you by surprise? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, for example, I mean, I, I, uh, forgot about Bruno San Martino competing yeah. at WrestleMania, for example. And, and he was in the battle Royal at WrestleMania too. Um, Michael Hayes, the only time he got to compete at WrestleMania was in the gimmick battle Royal. Um, you know, it, it was just kind of interesting. Uh, Dan Spivey, again, another battle Royal guy, but you, you have guys that you kind of forget about, but they actually were on the stage and they were at WrestleMania. Uh, but on the other side, you look at the guys who had these incredible careers, and just never made it to mania. Um, what, uh, off the top of my head, I can't, who is, uh, somebody, know, oh, yeah, Lance Storm. Is Lance one. Storm was one. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams was another, I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one that's not included, uh, in there, but I was surprised to hear this couple of weeks ago, because it's part of an angle now is the Usos. Uh, the, the Usos have never been on the WrestleMania, uh, main show. Uh, so, it's, it really is fascinating how how some of that happens, and in the modern WrestleMania era, it's it, I think it's in some ways it's less surprising because uh, they've got so much to cram into their shows, and I think this mania may may really kind of set the record for that kind of thing. I mean, that's a that's a lot to get into one show, so inevitably some people get kicked to the pre-show. There's always going to be the debate about whether that's WrestleMania um, or not, especially in kind of the post pay-per-view era where. You know, where does WrestleMania begin? Where does it, you know, not begin? I don't know. So, um, but yeah, a, a really fun list. Another one that comes to mind that I think you had in there that um, did compete was uh, Ultimo Dragon, right? Yes. Yeah, he was in the Cruiserweight Scramble. His, that whole yeah. run is like, oh, yeah, Ultimo Dragon was in WWE. I forgot about that. So uh, It's just a shame because Ultimo, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he just didn't catch fire in WWE, but he could have been what Sin Cara was supposed to be when Sin Cara first came in. Um, but I guess WWE was just so committed to Ray that they really didn't see the value of having another kind of masked uh, character that they could market to kids and had, you know, not so much of a high-flying style, although Ultimo could fly, more of a ground-based and striking style. Um, but man, Ultimo, uh, he really could have been, uh, he was a swing and a miss in WWE, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. I got, I got that, uh, section open in front of me. Brian Pillman's another fascinating one, you know, um, I guess it's just one of those things that the stars never aligned when he was in WWE, when he was healthy, uh, and really his whole WWE run, he wasn't healthy, but he did get some, uh, time in the ring in WWE and, uh, no, never, never made it to mania. So. Uh, fascinating. Anyhow, the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. You can order this one issue there. You can subscribe, and the longer you subscribe for, the uh, the deeper the discount. You get half off the newsstand price. If you pr prefer a uh, digital edition, it is customized for your mobile device, your laptop, what have you. Um, uh, a real user-friendly experience, 
and uh, you can actually get an even deeper discount if you go that route. Uh, whatever you do, go to pwi-online.com uh, and pick it up. You know, we're, we're uh, right down to the wire on the next issue. This is always very much crunch time because it is the the WrestleMania coverage issue, and yet it's approaching deadline. So I imagine, uh, Dan, you putting together the real winners and losers is going to be kind of a hectic week for you uh, or a couple of days for you right after WrestleMania. Yeah, it's killing me right now. I mean, this is a little kind of behind the scenes, but we're coming up on the deadline. Uh, we have the PWI poll that I've been working on for the past few weeks. I got that all done a few weeks back uh, just to kind of make sure that we had everything in the magazine laid out and ready to go before WrestleMania because our deadline is almost immediately afterwards. So it's going to be one of those, uh, when doing the winners and losers, we normally like to look at, uh, and again, what that feature is, is it looks at, you know, what happened in the match and who was the real winner, the real loser. In other words, who benefited the most from what happened and who didn't benefit. And a lot of that plays out the next night historically on raw and now with the brand split on SmackDown. So yeah. the next two days. Um, so I'm going to try to write everything I can after mania, maybe make a few edits after raw, maybe make a few edits after SmackDown yeah. and then get this thing uh, to bed. So it's going to be a busy few days and I'm anxious now because I, I want to start, you know, I know I've got all this work ahead of me, but I, I can't start writing mm. until the show happens. So yeah, nothing yeah. I can do, but sit and wait. Yep. Well, best of luck. And, and hopefully we'll be able to talk right after WrestleMania. Another responsibility we have over the last few years is uh, recording this podcast, uh, which might be tricky with me being um, there, but but we'll try to set something up, even if it's a quick phone call uh, to talk about the show. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, jump right into it. I've got the card in front of me. Let me begin this way, uh, Dan. Uh, let me give you, uh, I, I think, what are safely... Uh, can be assumed to be the four top matches at the show. And I'm interested in, in you ranking them, um, I guess, in in how you f feel they've been presented, not, in, not, not sort of reviewing their presentation, but which do you think is the biggest um, and has been presented as the biggest, is intended to be uh, the biggest. Uh, the Universal title match, Roman Reigns and, and uh, Brock Lesnar, the Ronda Rousey mixed tag team uh, match, the WWE Championship match, AJ Styles and Nakamura. And um, this one's kind of tricky because it's not even officially a match, uh, but Undertaker and John Cena, assuming that they are still planning uh, to do this with, which maybe is not the safest assumption, uh, kind of put those four in order. Uh, I would say that the top match, the, the main event, um, you're looking at Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. I think that's the one that's been featured most prominently, uh, had the biggest kind of, you know, a year, almost a year long push. It feels a little stale because it's headlined to WrestleMania, even though Seth Rollins came in to, to kind of make it a three-way match. And these guys are feuded on and off in mixed man matches, you know, for the past couple of years. So it's kind of a flat WrestleMania main event, in my opinion, but I think that that's the big one. And with the, the whole idea of Brock uh, going back to UFC, openly talking about that, Roman Reigns calling him Vince's boy, which is, you know, the irony of that is just ridiculous. But in any case, it's the one that I think has had the main event build. If it happens, the John Cena Undertaker match, and there's been more and more coming out, and I don't know if these are just false stories, but that uh, as of today, the rumor is going or that uh, Undertaker is not set for WrestleMania. He doesn't have a match. He may appear on the show, but there's not supposed to be a match. And maybe that's just a rumor that's put out there to kind of work the fans or whatever it is. Uh, but if that match does happen and it is a real match, 
that should be the match that goes on last, I think. Uh, but it's tricky it's the because they haven't really been able to promote it. So right. how do you headline yeah. a show with a match you've never even really announced? Because what it is now is, is WWE has become um, ice capades, basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. when ice capades comes to your town, you don't want to know the skaters. It's just like, oh, ice capades is coming. Right. The kids will like this. Let's yeah. go and, and do this. So it's WrestleMania. It doesn't really matter what that show is. Uh, it's good to have the marquee names and everything else, but you've got those guys under contract who they face, you know, throw John Cena up on a billboard, throw Ronda Rousey and Triple H and Kurt Angle, and it's going to sell regardless of who's facing who. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is tough though, because that match is the one that's the most intriguing and it's, it's been hinted and, and teased for years. And if it doesn't happen at WrestleMania, I think a lot of people are going to walk out of that arena pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah. And and before you, you mentioned the other two, uh, I, I neglected to mention this one, and I think it very much is in that top mix, uh, Daniel Bryan's return. I mean, do you think that yeah. um, is it right away becomes one of the top, I don't know, two, three, four matches at the show? Maybe, maybe even ahead of Nakamura and AJ Styles? I think in terms of hype and presentation, it is because really most of the last six months plus on SmackDown have been all about Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, Shane McMahon, and, and Daniel Bryan. That's been the the key story they've told, and this is now the, the climax of that. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that Daniel Bryan, like just his return and the reaction that's going to get, that'll be a, a WrestleMania moment. It'll you know it'll have a lot of energy, um, especially if there's something crazy that happens, like. Uh, Daniel Bryan heel turn or Shane McMahon heel turn or who knows what could happen in, in that. Um, but that's definitely got more of a buzz than uh, AJ and uh, Nakamura. Uh, yeah, Nakamura's match, that's match I'm most looking forward to seeing, uh, but it just feels flat coming in. Yeah. And, and Nakamura winning the Rumble felt flat too. Um, I mean, that wasn't even the main event of that pay-per-view. It was the Women's Rumble and... Nakamura just doesn't seem to have the momentum that somebody normally gets after winning the Royal Rumble. I think you can sense when WWE is really behind something and when they're not. And and kind of the most exaggerated example of that was the um, the Ultimate Deletion match a couple weeks ago where they had Michael Cole as, as Vince McMahon's surrogate even apologize ahead of time. Uh, this isn't that, but it feels a little bit like, all right, we're going to throw you, you know, you hardcore fans a bone and we're going to give you this match and we're going to say it's for the world title, but we're not totally feeling it. You know, we've got some real stars on this show, Roman Reigns and Ronda Rousey. Uh, but if you guys want these, these two, you know, flippy wrestlers doing something, uh, for an alleged world, t- world title, we'll give it to you. But again, it doesn't feel like they're they're really totally uh, committed. And one thing I, you know, I, I've always said that um, WWE's creative team tends to to really put it all together and kind of be banging on all cylinders leading up to WrestleMania. And and maybe that's less about the creative team and more about wrestlers taking more ownership of their their angles and storylines. And in some cases, I think you have seen that. You see. Uh, um, uh, more investment, emotional investment in promos and, and angles and things like that. And this match, I think almost of all WWE matches, feels the most um, sort of done by committee, scripted. Uh, I don't know if you watched SmackDown last night, but those promos they had AJ Nakamura uh, do backstage, um, they were terrible. I mean, it's one of these examples of just, just this is not how people talk. Um, there was nothing natural or sincere about it. Uh, and, and it's a shame, you know, ideally what would I, I have loved, I don't know how doable it would have been 
would have been to to play off their past in in New Japan because I think that's where really this all begins, right? And the fact that they they did have this legendary match, uh, and I wonder how doable it would have been to get footage of that match, you know, put some highlights out there, talk about their history. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think the flip side of, of expectations being so high for that match is that I think it's also in the position to disappoint the most. If it is put in the, the middle of the show or the first match of the show, God forbid, um, and it's given, you know, 15 minutes, you know, maybe the, under some time pressures, and it's just not what um, doesn't meet the very, very high uh, standards and expectations that fans have for this match. Uh, it, I don't want to say they're set up to fail, but uh, it kind of feels a little bit like they are. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, the, you know, the expectations are, are sky high, but I think that this could also be um, what would be a good example from last year. Uh, maybe the Austin Aries-Neville match, or oh Shane against AJ. Um, the thing is, like last year, WrestleMania is so long. If you put that match out early and it does really well, people are going to remember it. It's going to be a classic. Right. If it doesn't do as well, no big deal. There's so much more of the show to go. Uh, think of a perfect example: Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho. Uh, that match, it was the the blow off of a feud. It was it was a lot of heat and a lot of expectations, and it kind of under. Yeah, performed. Yeah. You know, there's that footage of uh, you know when when Kevin went up to Vincent Man backstage. Uh, you know that they showed on what 24/7 or one of the documentaries. Right. Like, are we good? And, and McMahon just no, no, we're not. You know, mm -hmm. he was visibly upset with the way the match went, and it wasn't terrible by any stretch. It, it just wasn't a classic. Uh, but the thing is, by the end of the night, it, it was kind of forgotten about. Um, so I think maybe it's not a bad, and this is kind of a flip from where I was a few weeks ago thinking about this, where I thought that doing the, the opener would be the kiss of death. Maybe not because it does feel a little bit flat coming in. Uh, Nakamura's entrance will really get the crowd going. The match should be very good. Yeah, it's a good and point. They'll be not, performing in front of the, the hottest, uh, that crowd probably is versus yeah. last year with Roman Reigns and the undertaker, which was this super important match, you know, theoretically the undertaker's retirement match and and they basically did it before a dead crowd that had been sitting there for seven hours at that point so uh yeah. i think it's a good point you make i mean if maybe it's better to put it on earlier and do it uh in front of a crowd that is more up to see it agreed yeah uh what else uh, uh ronda rousey we now kind of have the whole story told leading up to to wrestlemania with that final angle monday night ronda going through the table i thought it was pretty well executed um i think for for somebody who's you know really only been featured on WWE television as a performer uh, for a couple months now and a handful of times, I think she's coming along pretty well. I mean, now the last piece of it is is the actual wrestling. Uh, you know, again, she's not polished. A lot of her um, uh, promos, some her, her timing on some stuff is a little awkward and clunky. Um, but you know what what it's not is. Uh, the kind of Jeremy Piven Summerfest. Uh, I'm a oh, celebrity, God. not taking this seriously at all. She seems really, really invested in in being oh, a yeah. pro wrestler and doing this right, and that's as as much as you could ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I thought that segment going through the table was ridiculous. Um, I mean, I've never seen a more heavily gimmick table in my life. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> Who knows what was under terrible. that black uh, tablecloth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It was, you know, like two people were underneath holding it in half and just kind of <laughs> moved it so she didn't have to touch it, whatever. 
Um, but um, yeah, it, I guess it, it it theoretically built the match, and and you know Stephanie got the upper hand to prove that she's capable of doing something. It's still ridiculous to me because here you got Ronda Rousey, who's hyped as being the top female fighter ever, or in the top five, certainly, um, you know, maybe with uh, Gina Carano and Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm and, and whatever, but, you know, this, this badass, tough, legitimate fighter going up against kind of a soccer mom who, like, hasn't wrestled a match in years and is coming up on, what, 40, 41, Steph? Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's just so ridiculous. It, the, the willing suspension of disbelief just isn't, you know, I can't do it. But well, having uh, yeah. uh, now that that match is in place, how do you execute it um, uh, the the best way? The best way I would do it is you have um, Stephanie play chicken crap heel. Like mm-hmm. doesn't want to be tagged in, just stays outside the ring, does everything she can. Triple H does, you know, do do have some bodyguards, some enforcer there mm-hmm. that, that, you know, Smoke they respect. Yeah, the smoke and mirrors until something happens where Triple H falls back into the corner and accidentally tags Stephanie. Now she has to get in because by the <laughs> rules, once you're tagged, you have to at least make a lockup before you can get back out. It's years ago, back in the 85, I don't know if you remember this. There was, I think it was an MSG match. There was a tag team match, and I don't know what the lead-up was for it, but it was Hulk Hogan and, and mean a partner Gene? against... Yes, yes and mean Gene against, It uh, wasn't Mr. the Garden. And, uh, it might have been... It might have been Philly, uh, I think, but yeah, I remember okay. that. Mm-hmm. The, the idea was that like they, they high-fived, and the referee called that a tag, and Gene had to come in, and you had to get in the ring, and you had to engage your opponent. So like Gene's trying to tag out, and the referee's like, no, you've you got to do something. So he like crawled under Mr. Fuji's legs or something, he did something, and then tagged back out. Like, you know, anyway, you don't do something that dramatic completely, but Stephanie accidentally gets tagged in, and then you go to a go-home, uh, you know, Ronda hits something big, uh, Triple H has to come in, couple angle slams, whoever the enforcer is, angle slam, carnage all over the place, and, and that's your finish. Um, but yeah, if they do good. anything to, to book Stephanie as, as credible and on the same playing field, it, it's just another case of the McMahons being McMahons. And, you know, yeah, ego, I mean, egoism. We, we've seen it with her brother tons of times. I mean, just watching the other day, oh, yeah. Undertaker and, and Shane McMahon and just rolling my eyes at, at Undertaker selling for Shane McMahon. At least in that match, they had the cover of a Hell in a Cell, weapons, gimmickry, uh, you know, some things that could somewhat um, level the playing field. And they, I'm sure they could come up with, you know, again, all kinds of smoke and mirrors here. Refs not watching, you know, the old brass snucks or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will pull this off well. Um what what is the finish? I've I've heard a lot of speculation about you know maybe Ronda makes Triple H tap um, or uh, a simultaneous tap with with Kurt making Triple H tap at the same time that Ronda makes uh, Steph tap. Uh, do you take it as a given that Ronda and Kurt win? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I thought that against Sting too a few years ago at a uh, WrestleMania and was proven wrong then too. So uh, I'd say it's. 80% likely, but I don't know. But um, the, the thing is, I mean, you don't spend the kind of Ronda Rousey money that that they spent and, and commit to her for, what does she have, a three-year deal maybe? Or, I but don't know. She's, they have long-term plans for her. They've signed her to a full-time contract. Um, you know, Sting was really kind of a one-off, and, and then they kind of went from there. Um, 
Ronda is going to become the focal point of the, uh, the women's division and her rivalries against whether it's Charlotte or Asuka or whatever, um, Nia Jax maybe even, um, you know, that's, they've got to build to that and having her lose in her debut at WrestleMania, I think would really jeopardize a lot of that. But it sort of cuts both ways because they could also make the argument that she's going to be around here for a while. So she doesn't need to get the win this time around. We could book the rematch with Stephanie at whatever the next pay-per-view is, and she can get the win there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I wish it was, but I don't know necessarily that, that this is the, the blow off of this feud and Ronda moves right into a program with somebody else. I could see them maybe dragging this on a little longer. Um, so we'll see. Um, under, uh, not, uh, uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, again, we now have kind of the whole, the whole story, um, laid out there. Uh, they've, you know, there's been a lot of creative ways of promoting matches leading up into WrestleMania. In this case, it was, uh, a real effort at, at having fans turn on Brock Lesnar and embrace Roman Reigns, even if it meant deliberately false advertising, uh, a Brock making some appearances, uh, and things like that. Um, has it worked? I mean, I, it does sound like the the crowd is is uh, maybe a little more behind Roman Reigns than in the past than they are in the past, and less so with Brock. I wonder with Brock if it's just sort of the case of he's kind of overstayed his welcome a little bit. You know, um, I feel like we've seen it. You know, now now for gosh, this second run now uh, I think is longer than his first, right? Because he came back in two thousand and thirteen. No, 12. So now you're talking six years since Brock has been back and really mowing down everyone um, and is still great at it. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's kind of getting a little stale. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, contrasting the the hype for this match versus the hype for uh, Undertaker and John Cena, it, it feels like it's almost backwards with where with Undertaker and John Cena, I they, they've they taken this route of making the fans want it and kind of teasing it that they're not going to get it and just making them kind of build to this crescendo where they're begging for it. And you really didn't have to because people, I mean, you don't have to sell us on that match. That match is as big a match as WWE could have offered in the last several years versus with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, where it feels like WWE thinks this is a lot bigger deal than I think fans do, right? So um, I don't know. I'm just, uh, you know, I agree with you. I expect it to go on last. I think it's being treated as the real main event of a really, really loaded WrestleMania. But I'm just, meh, you know, and it's not even to be dump on on either of these guys. I think they're they're both performing admir- uh, admirably. Uh, I'm just not all that interested. All right, Al. Now let's not be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> That's you. That was the case of Rebel Downer. The... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's just um, the thing is, like I said, um, Lesnar reigns. It just it feels we've seen it. You know, yeah, we've literally. seen it before. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just not that exciting. And you know, um, there are so many other people that Lesnar could have faced. I mean, not WrestleMania per se, but. Um, you talk about him being stale, which is ridiculous because he's only working a dozen dates a year. Like he should not be stale, but he seems to be working the same guys every time. And it's just, you know, um, it, it is making him come off as a little bit stale. Now, I think that you're right that the fans are reacting the way WWE is trying to get them to and, and starting to slowly kind of heal on Lesnar and get behind Roman Reigns. But the fans who show up at WrestleMania, it's an entirely different 
animals. You know, those are people who are passionate. They travel. They're knowledgeable. They know what's going on, and they're gonna they're gonna eat Roman reigns alive like they do every year and blow them out of the building. Um, so in that, you know, in the lead up, I think it's worked, but in the payoff, I think that Lesnar is still going to get the biggest fan uh, favorite reaction of the night. One of them. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Bryan will get the biggest. I agree. Yes. Uh, let's quickly go over some, some of the other stuff on the show. Um, the women's match, Oscar versus Charlotte. This, this also feels like it should feel like a bigger deal than it it does uh and then again maybe a little bit hard to pinpoint this this is another one where i feel like the the wd creatives teams um kind of uh, fingerprints might be on this too much um and it's always tricky when they they try to script oscar to cut promos in in english because it's just it's not her thing obviously uh but yeah, I don't know that the anticipation level uh, is there for this one either as much as they would have liked. Yeah, it feels... Um, well, I don't want to go through and say everything feels flat. It, it, to a degree, it does. It's just that there's so much. There's so much on the show that you can only use so much of your airtime to promote, you know, given matches. That's you right. I mean, really give everything I agree. I think some of these problems are that the show is so loaded up that a match like this uh, inevitably is you know can can is like six from the top seven from the top you know it's a good problem to have in some ways like i I was looking i was trying to come up with an idea for a straight shooter column for this uh mania beforehand like heading into it and i I looked at the first wrestlemania and i went through the all the results i think there were eight nine matches i think on the first mania this time there might be 13 counting everything something like that i think it might be up to like 16 or something like that it's huge oh my gosh it's well the thing is, I looked at the match times of, of all the matches and added up the actual, because um, I was trying to first think of the runtime. Like, when did that show begin and when did people leave? I think it was like 8 to 11. But in terms of actual in-ring and, and wrestling match time, it came to like an hour and five minutes. And that was for the whole show. You had uh, matches <laughs> that were, you know, there's the King Kong Bundy, no, it was the, the SD Jones match, the, the, the nine-second squash match that was on there. Uh, but you had matches that were five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, four minutes, uh, and then, you know, over 10 for, I think, just two matches on the show. You know, the main event and, and the IC, not, well, not the IC, but the second from the top, whatever it was, uh, the women's match, maybe. But in any case, um, it, it was just one of these things where y- you look at that, and that, that equals maybe two matches at, at this WrestleMania. You know, yeah. in terms of in ring, you know, you know, it's easy to see two matches going thirty minutes at this WrestleMania. Certainly, the Ronda Rousey one will, and certainly the the Lesnar one will. I, I would expect. So yeah. it, it's just crazy what we have now. It's just so much that it's it's hard for anything to really stand out and get over on its own to the degree that it really should. Yeah, it looks like it is. I think officially thirteen matches right now. Uh, I think that might not be counting. Cena and Undertaker, and who knows what happens there. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, there's two tag team title matches, uh, the triple threat on, on SmackDown, the Braun Strowman versus the Bar match on Raw. There are uh, two secondary title multi-way matches, the the four-way on, on SmackDown, the triple threat on Raw, uh, two battle royals, the Cruiserweight Classic uh, a match, two women's uh, title matches, uh, so yes, a very, very, very loaded, um, card. Um, I, I'm not sure this just popped into my head, but 
was the last singles match for the Intercontinental title. I, I'm, uh, I, maybe I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking the last match for the IC title, maybe it was the U.S. title. It was like, well, uh, Dean Ambrose defended the U.S. title last year. And I think Miz had the IC title. Yeah, I think Miz had the IC title last year and used in the tag match. But I seem to think it was like JBL defending the IC title maybe. or something. Like I, I, I think it might be like 10 years or more since there's been a singles match for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. Uh, if not, there's only been like one in that time because I know I've gone through that going through the winners and losers and just lamenting the fact that once upon a time, the second most prestigious title in WWE, you know, in the match that everybody really looked forward to as being the showcase of the workers. And now it's always just like, ah, eh, throw four guys. We got nothing going on. Three guys in the ring and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this much. And, and, and I get down on the multi-person matches uh, too at WrestleMania. Um, I'll say this much. If if you're going to do those kind of matches, I think they've done a nice job of building them um, kind of organically, right? So the the Miz, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins feud actually does feel like a three-way feud where everybody has an, an issue with everybody else. And to maybe a lesser extent over on SmackDown, they did a pretty good job of, of doing that too, little by little kind of putting all the pieces together for what is now a four-way feud with Rusev, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, and Bobby Roode. Um, but I, I think they've done an admirable job of making those matches more than just kind of throw away, get guys on the show uh, kind of match, even if that is what it is. But I actually think they've done a better ma- a job of, of building both of those than they did for years with those six, seven-way ladder matches that they were doing for the oh, secondary yeah. titles. Um, so I'd, I'd rather uh, have it this way. Um, uh, what else? W- one thing, uh, uh, we touched on Undertaker and John Cena, but I wanted to revisit it just because it's so strange. Um, I, I mean, to say that this is an unconventional way to, to build a match uh, would be an understatement. And uh, I really just, I don't get it. I don't like it. I, I To some extent, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've got something up their sleeve and the payoff will be worth it. Uh, but, you know, this is, I don't know, it, it feels squandered. This was such an important match, assuming that they're doing it. And and really now they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, because if they don't do it, I think they have built up expectations that they are going to do it, even without saying it. I think most fans feel like, okay, they're going to do it. They're up to something. Um, so fans will be disappointed if they don't do it. And if they do do it, I, I think the feeling is, well, then why didn't you just promote the thing? Now imagine this. We were talking about how long WrestleMania can go and how the fans, I mean, you burn out at some point, you know, you, you begin to get tired and kind of look at your watch and like, ah, when are we getting back to the hotel or getting home or whatever? Um, say you have a couple matches that begin to drag and the crowd's getting tired. And just imagine this, you know, the undertaker, you know, the chant going with him, not appearing, like imagine the disappointment of the fans who were there because for weeks they've been hinting at it and making it seem like it was going to be a featured match. If it doesn't happen, I mean, you want to talk about a crowd potentially hijacking a show. I mean, you really can't And WWE has only themselves to blame for that to like put this idea of here's a potential dream match that you've never seen before. Not counting, John Cena, when he first came in on SmackDown as a doctor with psychonomics and everything more than a decade ago, but you haven't seen it between these two larger than life characters and we're teasing it, making you think it's going to happen, even though we're saying it may not, 
Uh, and then if they don't deliver, man, I think that it'll be, um, I think it could ruin the show. Yeah. And, and they have to have something planned, right? I mean, I think you can safely assume that the undertaker will be in new Orleans in the Superdome and he and John Cena will share some screen screen time together. What, what does have me wondering, and you brought it up is what if it's, it's not quite a match. What's what if it's an angle? I mean, uh, they they've pulled some stuff like this in the last couple of years. You remember the whole thing with the rock and the Wyatt and Rowan. John Cena. Yeah. And that wasn't built ahead of time. And it was like a, a WrestleMania moment. Um, I don't think that will fly here. I mean, I think now, I mean, what fans want to see is a match. And if it's a situation where the undertaker physically cannot deliver a match, um, then they should never even have brought this up. Uh, and, and there's loads of things they could have, um, found for John Cena to do. So, uh, yeah, I think they've really painted themselves in a corner where there's almost, look, if they deliver a match and it's a fantastic match, then I imagine we'll all forgive them, but it still doesn't undo this, this really unnecessarily strange way of, of building toward it. Um, so, which is just disappointing fans week in, week out waiting for that, um, uh, that confrontation up up to and including even SmackDown on last night. I think people were seeing that as kind of maybe this is oh, the, yeah. Yeah. The, I was, the I was last reading, hope. Yeah, I, I was checking in on, you know, kind of Reddit boards and things like throughout SmackDown, throughout Raw, just checking to see like, you know, I like to gauge what the fans are saying, what they're talking about. And people were just, you know, a, a majority of them were complaining. What, no Undertaker? Like yep. no, no payoff to this. So you're already disappointing the fans for the past several weeks who are expecting, okay, something's got to happen. You know, there's got to be some kind of payoff to this. And if they give a half-assed payoff at WrestleMania, it's going to really be a disappointment But that they brought on themselves. It, it, it's, you know, booking 101. You know, if, if you've got the match, then sell tickets. If you don't have the match, don't, don't do it. You know, yeah. It sounds like they're they're trying to be kind of unnecessarily innovative, un- unless there right. is some some X factor that we're not aware of. I wonder if it's a situation where where maybe it's really down to the wire whether he'll be able um, to to make it physically. You know, there, there's a real question. I don't think that's the case. I think they just think they're being clever, um, but it's just a strange way of promoting the match deliberately. Um, upsetting your fans. And this isn't even the only angle where they're doing that because they did that with, um, as we touched on, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for weeks, uh, deliberately not having uh, Brock show up. So uh, weird, you know, just, just that's a weird way to promote. Just like, let's let's enrage our fans. Um, <laughs> real quick, uh, uh, Braun Strowman's mystery tag team partner. Uh, any thoughts, any preferences? Which, which direction would you like for it to go? Uh, well, you know, there's been talk of Rey Mysterio who mm-hmm. had to pull out of the uh, New Japan Strong Style Evolve show with a tear in his biceps. Um, it got replaced by, I think, Will Ospreay against Jushin Liger and what would have been a really neat match to see, a great match to see 20 years ago, uh, Mysterio versus Liger, but still a, an interesting match to see today. Um, Mysterio could work. I mean, you could have the, the just like when Mysterio teamed with uh, Batista, the kind of, you know, big man, little man tag team that, that pairing could work really well. Um, Dean Ambrose would be another good guy if they were able to get him back in for it. Um, <laughs> one of the funnier theories I saw was uh, The Undertaker. 
You know, the Undertaker decides he's going to wrestle at WrestleMania, but just he doesn't want to face John Cena. You know, so you see him come out and then he pan to John Cena in the front row, all sad because he just went as a fan. (laughs) But uh, you know, I I don't know who they're going to go with, um, but I think that Rey Mysterio seems to be the 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 kind of consensus pick, and him pulling out of the New Japan show uh, is. The timing is definitely suspicious. Let, let me throw out a couple others and get your thoughts uh, on them. Uh, Samoa Joe, Elias, uh, Bray Wyatt, and James Ellsworth. <laughs> Ellsworth, I, I've heard people talking about. I like um, that. It one. would be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if, if the idea is that he doesn't need a tag team partner because he is he's sort of a one man tag team, then uh, from storyline perspective, it makes all the sense in the world. Hey man, James Ellsworth has two wins over AJ Styles. Don't forget <laughs> that. So yeah, um, yeah, Ellsworth would be good. I, I think that would get a good reaction. It would be a, a fun match, and what's otherwise kind of a throwaway match. I think. Although I really do like the bar, but um, you know, it, it's not a match that's you know, with everything else that's happening, it's, it's certainly not a focal point of the show. Um, Samoa Joe. It just wouldn't make sense because Samoa Joe is a baby face. I don't necessarily like, I think he, he can be so much more as, as a, as a villain and bad guy. Um, I can't Oh, in the Wyatt, uh, especially Bray Wyatt. Um, but they got to do something with Bray. I mean, I almost think that he might be involved in a John Cena undertaker thing somehow, if it is more of a, a skit or a bait and switch. Um, but, but you know, we haven't seen him since, uh, uh, he, he was missing in the lake of reincarnation. So mm-hmm. who knows? Well, except he's been doing all the house shows and he comes out and confronts Matt Hardy. So like he's still doing that. But uh, in any case, um, that'd be no, a letdown. I think if it was Bray Wyatt, I think uh, unless it's he had the a worst of all the different, Yeah. Unless he had a completely different look and gimmick and character, but still going from being this kind of demonic madman villain to being Braun Strowman's buddy would be kind of uh, an abrupt change of character. How about Elias? I mean, he still gets a ton of TV time. You gotta think they've got something for him at at WrestleMania. I think the the Battle Royal has has got Elias all over it. Has has he um, been um, officially announced for the Battle Royal? I don't no, I don't think he has been. But it it just seems like I think that that's where because I, I I think if he is officially announced, a lot of people would say, oh, that's that's your winner. Um, the other guy who could be a, a partner and it would make sense would be uh, the Big Show. Yes, um, he's absolutely. Resigned a contract, and you know, so he'll he'll be there, and so, and that would make sense, you know, have a, a big dominant tag team of the Big Show and, and Braun, and you know, eventually the split and feud could work. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I think that uh, would be fine. Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. And, and any other thoughts? Anything you're expecting to see? Return surprises? Kid Rock concert? Uh... <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, what I'm interested in seeing, I'm interested in seeing. Um, in, in terms of returns and surprises, and this may be a little bit um, anticlimactic because we just had the women's Royal rumble, but the, the women's battle Royal, you know, who are they going to fill out the, the rest of that field with? Who's going to show up? Who's going to come up from NXT? Um, you know, little things like that. I, I don't think there's going to be any huge, you know, I don't think we're going to see Kenny Omega appear no. or some huge star from the, the Indies or free agent that we haven't seen. Um, but the call-ups from NXT, and, uh, you know, some of the other guys are, uh, you know, alumni who, who may get a, a return for a one-off. Um, I think that could be pretty intriguing. Well, so, some of that I imagine will I think, happen the, the next night and Tuesday night on, on Raw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, traditionally it does, yeah. 
And and uh, what, what's your pick for the women's battle royal? I mean, it's it sounds like more than anything, it'll be a showcase for the the Bailey Sasha feud. So you would think, if not the last two, the last three or four, they'll be involved in, and it'll be used to forward that storyline. The the way I would do that is um, I don't know who it would be, whether it would be uh, Mandy Rose or, or uh, Ruby Riot or somebody, Ember Moon maybe if she comes in. Uh, but I would have them be the last three and then Sasha and Bailey get into an argument and the other person dumps both of them. So they okay. kind of cost yeah. each other the match because they couldn't focus and they have their own feud and the winner of the match gets the, the push, you know, from that. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what I would expect. And any thoughts? Uh, Cause I think it's one match we haven't really mentioned Nia Jax and Alexa bliss. I could see this being uh, a squash or, you know, you got whatever, 13 matches, seven hours. They can all be 15 minutes or, or 30 minutes. Uh, I could see Nia pretty much running through her and winning the belt. Yeah, I, you know, I I just hate this match. <laughs> I, yeah. I really do. I, uh, Nia Jax just does nothing for me, um, and I, it's it's a good story, I guess. Uh, and she is the presumptive winner, and and should win pretty. You know, uh, she should dominate the match, really. Um, but you know, and I hate to say this because I'm, I'm a proponent proponent of women's wrestling. I interviewed Sienna coming up. I did the book on women's wrestling. Uh, I hate to use the phrase, but this is the bathroom break match for me. Like I, I yeah. just have no interest in, in seeing this. Well, you better not take too long in the bathroom then because I, I don't anticipate <laughs> this, uh, this being out there too long. Um, all right. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, um, you know, uh, and I, I've wanted to go back to one of these in a long time and every year I feel like going. And then uh, certainly the last few years when the show's over, I think, Whew, I'm glad I didn't go to that one because I think there there have been um, some letdowns in the last few years. I think maybe 31 would be the last really strong WrestleMania, the one that ended with um, Seth Rollins uh, winning the world title. But but 32 and 33, I think, were both kind of disappointments. Um, this one, uh, I think, on paper looks better. The flip side of that is if it doesn't deliver, it's almost more of a disappointment because how can you go wrong with such a loaded lineup? Uh, but I don't think they will. I, 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 I've got some high hopes, um, and I think I will be proven right. Uh, well, here's the most important thing. This is the most important thing you need to do when you go down there. you got to get out to Pat O'Brien's and have yourself a hurricane on Bourbon Street. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Do you they uh, take do kids it. there? <laughs> or Would my 7- <laughs> and 9-year-old be welcome it, there? It's Bourbon Street. It's anything goes. Actually, I think they have a restaurant in there, so they might might be good. But, uh yeah, make sure you're Ubering or taking a cab after a hurricane or two because they, uh, they pack a punch. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dan, we will talk uh, hopefully right after the show. Um, right now, why don't you tell uh, fans who we're going to hear from? This two-time Impact cha- or the two-time Knockouts champion from Impact Wrestling, it is Sienna, Allison K, AK-47. Here she is. Okay, very happy here at the PWI Podcast. Some of you know her as the two-time Impact Knockouts Champion, Sienna. I know her as AK, Allison K, AK-47 from Shimmer. Uh, Sienna, welcome to the PWI Podcast. How are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. Very happy that you were able to join us, especially on short notice. I had some other things going on and and contacted you just a little while ago to to see if you were available. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, first and foremost, uh, you you were sidelined from wrestling uh, recently with kind of a unconventional and and scary, really, uh, medical condition. Um, Tell me what happened. What was the diagnosis? 
and, and what was the whole thing that, that you underwent? Yeah, so a lot of people think that I'm out for, well, first of all, some people don't even realize that I am out, and then some seem to think that it's a wrestling-related injury, since that's what we're used to hearing. Um, so I'll just start from the beginning. Um, last bit of taping is for Impact, which was January. Um, I wrestled... I wrestled Kira Hogan, and that match was great. I believe it's going to air on that. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, after that match, I was feeling abnormally sore. Um, wrestlers were used to feeling sore all the time, but uh, I've been wrestling for about nine years, so at this point, I kind of know what's normal and what's not for having one match, but my first match of the set of taping. So um, I was feeling a little sore. A little abnormally sore, um, but I just brushed it off, and then the next day I wrestled Allie, and um, still the same thing. I just felt very like overall achy. Um, it just seemed really weird, but I just kind of kept running with it, like wrestlers tend to do. And then the next morning I woke up and I could not take a full inhale. Um, when I tried to inhale at the very top of it, there was a really sharp pain in my ribs. And a lot of people probably have had that at some point in their life, but the difference is it goes away after a few minutes, whereas this one didn't. So I went to tapings. Um, luckily, I didn't have any matches that day, so I decided to see the trainer once he got in. So I went to them. Um, the doctor wasn't in yet, but the physical therapist was. So I tried to explain to her what was happening. Um, I thought I had maybe pulled my, a muscle in my back or uh, maybe dislocated a rib because it was preventing me from taking a full inhale. It was just very uncomfortable. I wouldn't say I was in severe pain. Um, so the physical therapist looked at it. She kind of worked out my back. She taped up my ribs, which is funny now to think of, but... Um, the doctor eventually looked at it. He's confirmed you definitely don't have a broken rib or a fractured rib um, to take some Motrin, see how you feel in the morning. If it still bothers you, you have to go in to get a scan or something. Cause if, so in retrospect, that was good advice. Obviously, wait, see if it gets better. If not, go in. Um, so that same night, we all went out to eat after the show. And by the time we were done, by the time I got to the parking lot, with my friend I was staying with at the time, um, I was wobbling, I was limping, and my breath became really short, and it got to the point where I couldn't even take half of an inhale. Um, it felt like my body was preventing me from taking even half of an inhale. It was a very, very sharp pain, um, to the point where sitting down, riding in the car, it was excruciating. That was, hands down, the worst pain I've ever felt. And that's saying a lot, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, um, that's got to be terrifying. I mean, what was, number one, when you first felt the, the kind of dull pain uh, at first, and I, I know you will get into exactly what's causing it, but when you first felt that dull pain, there has to be a thought as a pro athlete that, I don't want to tell anybody I can work through this. I've, I've had pains like this before, but as it begins to progress like that, I mean, d does panic set in? Uh, do you look at it from the standpoint of you're a human being in pain or you're an athlete and I don't want to miss bookings or anything like that? Like what's going through your mind at that point? 
a lot of different things are definitely going through your mind. I wouldn't say panic, at least not for me. That's just not the type of person I am. I'm pretty uh, calm in those types of situations. I've been in situations where I've been injured in matches before. Um, so having something like that happen, especially outside of a match, um, I wouldn't say panic goes through my head. But, of course, I start to worry, and I start to think of a million different things. You know, um, I'm not going to go web MD it because that's the worst thing you could possibly do. You know, it's like, are you fatigued? You're probably dying right now. So I just kind of, I talked to my friends about it and fellow wrestlers, and, and one girl told me, you know, I just had a twisted rib. Um, they just had to kind of, like, work it out, and then you're sore, and that's it. So I was sure that's what I had. Wait, a twisted she, twisted rib? A twisted rib. Is that a thing? Like, is it the muscle? Yeah, I guess. Cartilage? I or? Think, um, I think it just kind of like it gets out of place, basically. Okay. Um, I mean, especially with bumping around, your body shifts, you know. So I, I, I was looking at it as okay, I have some type of dislocation, or um, it's just I need to work it out somehow. I need a massage therapist to just work it out. Um, and she was saying the same thing, where she was having trouble at the top of her inhale. So I was certain that's what it was. And then when it kept getting worse and worse and worse, I started to, I wouldn't say panic, but by the time it started to get severe, I just knew something was wrong. But even then, I didn't think, I, I wasn't going into panic mode. I was just thinking I must have tore muscle in my back because uh, we got in the car, and I remember that car ride being terrible. Every bump in the road was just excruciating. And as soon as I walked into her apartment, I got on the living room floor, and because earlier that morning, uh, when I was feeling a little uncomfortable, I kind of did some foam rolling and some yoga poses, you know, trying to work it out and, like, open it up. Um, so I tried to do that, and that was not happening. That was terrible. A terrible idea. Huh. Uh, I was sitting on the floor, and all of her cats started surrounding me. They knew something was wrong. Um, I tried to... I was basically just trying to get into a comfortable position, find some level of relief, and there was none. The closest I could find for the next few days was leaning all the way on my right side and kind of propping myself up with my right arm, but I could not put any pressure on my left side at all. So she gave me some Motrin because that's what the um, doctor had given me earlier, and I'm sure that I was feeling so much pain so fast because I had worn off at that point. So she gave me some Motrin. I grabbed a heating pad. I sat on the couch the best way I could. I remember watching the clock, and about 10 minutes passed. And so she had asked me earlier, do I want to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, I just need I just need some muscle relaxers, and I just need a heating pad. Um, but by that point, I knew I'm not falling asleep tonight, so I might as well just go to the hospital. And I told her, let's go, and we went. Um, the, I actually had a moment in the car where the uh, Motrin or whatever it was started to kick in, and I had a brief flash of, oh, maybe we don't need to go to the hospital. Maybe it's not. Because, you know, you you have people have this weird fear of, like, I don't know, going to the hospital and them telling you, uh, you're fine, go home, and, like, you're embarrassed. Like, who cares? You might as well just go and get checked out, right? Right, right. You, well, you don't want to go there if it's, uh, you know, you don't want to go in there thinking you're having a heart attack and find out it's just gas, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> It's that kind of thing, but yeah, I can see like something the Motrin would suppress the pain just long enough to, to put the doubt in your mind, which, which really makes it impressive that you went. Uh, again, like I was saying before about you being a pro athlete, a lot of times uh, athletes will try to just hide the pain, and it's like oh, I'll be okay. I'll I'll just like deal with this. So you know what what happened once you did get to the hospital. 
Yeah, one of my fears is actually that I will be injured and not know it. So, athletes do try to hide pain, but at the same time, I feel like we're more fine-tuned, we're more tuned into our bodies, rather, to where we know what's right and what's not. So, my fear is that having a higher pain tolerance, I'm not going to know when something's wrong and I'm going to keep going and whatever. So, this is not one of those cases. I mean, I guess for the first couple days it could have been, but by this point I'm like, okay, this isn't normal. Um, so we go to the hospital. Uh, I went. We ended up going to, I want to say it was called Dr. Phillips Hospital, which is a weird name, but I cannot give them enough praise because they were great the entire time I was there. Uh, I was worried that I was going to go and wait for seven hours in the waiting room, but um, I learned that when you can't breathe, they take you back pretty fast. <laughs> so I got taken back. Um, anyway, I'll just cut through this. So long story short, the doctor comes back. I do a CT scan, um, which was extremely painful. Not the scan itself, but I was to the point where I could not lie down at all. Like any pressure on my back, on my left side, I couldn't even really sit up straight. I had to lean over all the way on my right side. It was so bizarre. So the doctor comes back with the results and says that I have pulmonary embolisms in both of my lungs, which means blood clots. He said the primary one being in the left side, which now makes sense to me that I can't put any pressure on my left side. So um, he kind of left it open, and I was like, like, he came in and he said, you know, you have pulmonary embolisms, that means they're blood clots, blah, 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 so we're going to admit you, so yeah. I'm like, so yeah, like you're a doctor, you can't, so yeah. I'm like, okay, so, like, am I going to die? Are we going to do, like, what are we doing at this point? And he's like, oh, you, we're going to admit you, and you'll start taking blah, 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 to start spewing out all the names of medication and things that I need to do. So uh, I got admitted to the hospital, and I was there for three days. So basically they just put me on whatever dosage of blood thinners. And um, I remember asking the nurse at one point, should I get up and walk around? Like, aren't you supposed to do that? Do you have blood clots? Like, you got to move? Right. And he was like, just, he's just get as much rest as possible. Like, just stay in bed. Which was weird to me, but I guess it's because um, they did an ultrasound in both my legs, and I didn't have any blood clots in my legs, which is a wonderful thing. Um, so it was already kind of at the finish line. So they're like, just go to bed. Um, so I basically just slept for three days. And then they were like, you're good. You can go home. So and no. I... <laughs> go ahead. Well, no, well, blood clots in your lungs. I mean, you were worried about them being in your legs, I assume migrating, but um, are they contained when they're in your lungs? I mean, obviously you don't want blood clots in the lungs because, well, you don't want blood clots anywhere, right? But uh, you don't want something that would that would impede the, the, the movement of your lungs or any body function, but were they kind of contained within the lungs? Was that like a good thing in, in terms of the diagnosis or even did you know this? I mean, how, how did you kind of ask the doctor for updates and questions because you obviously weren't aware of blood clots or you had no background in this, you know, until you were diagnosed. Um, was it better that they found it in the lungs or if they were migrating, would that be worse? Um, my understanding is that it's never good for them to have traveled, I guess. So what usually what happens is they form in the legs, they'll travel to your lungs and that's pulmonary, pulmonary embolisms or it'll go to your brain. Those are bad, but I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that's just my understanding and my, the questions that I've asked. But um, 
because he told me I was clear to fly home that week. And that seemed weird to me. It, everyone else who wasn't a doctor was like, you can't fly home. You're going to be in Florida for weeks. And I'm like, everyone is saying this except the doctor. The doctor is <laughs> the one that's like, no, you can go home. So I'm like, it, it seems like it's somehow common knowledge that I can't fly, but this doctor is like, no, fly. And I'm, I asked him like five times, I'm like, are you sure I can fly home? I really want to be sure about this. And he's like, he, and he basically said to me, your blood clots are already at the finish line. If they were going to kill you, they would have already killed you. Like what happens when they're in your legs, I guess, is that they will travel. So then you don't want them to go to your lungs, but mine already were. Um, they wow. also were basically discussing or basically um, saying that it could have been that they formed in my lungs and didn't travel from my legs because I didn't have anything in my legs, which I guess I don't even know if there's a way to prove that part or not. But, um, yeah, so it wasn't – it's not wrestling-related. Um, I actually have to still get tests done to determine and make sure what I already believe, which is that my body is not creating them on their own and it was caused by something else. Um so that's basically the next step. Now, in terms of being caused by something else, I, I, I don't, it, I don't know. Do you have any theories about what it may have been caused by? And this is kind of a weird segue, but uh, Jesse Ventura had blood clots in his lungs, and you know, it, it, it didn't end his wrestling career, but. It, it kind of tapered it off because by the time they were discovered, he was in his late 30s. He had had, you know, a, a lot of other issues going in, and he was an announcer, so they didn't WWF didn't really have a uh, interest in using him as a ref, uh, wrestler anymore necessarily. But um, it, it could be a career ending injury potentially or at least it was in a bygone era but jesse always contended that he had these blood clots from agent orange or exposure to agent orange during vietnam um i assume you weren't in vietnam or, or exposed to agent orange but like do you have any idea how you could have developed these or is there any theory out there or is this just like a hereditary thing yeah i don't believe i was in vietnam that's my knowledge but, there you uh, go to your knowledge I I do have a theory, and the doctor at the hospital seemed to um, agree as well because it seemed like the obvious thing, but that we have to do testing to prove it. Um, so what we believe is that it was caused by the birth control pill. Um, I was taking the birth control pill for acne, actually. My dermatologist put me on it not even six months ago. Wow. And, and it is technically a side effect uh, risk um, of any birth control um, or any birth control hormones rather but they always tell you you're young you're not at a high risk it's a very rare it's very rare um, so for a vain purpose I was taking this pill and it's definitely not worth it if it could kill you but um, that's what the doctor thinks because I'm young and I'm in shape and I'm healthy and I'm active and it's not in my family history to have blood clots and they don't seem to have been traveling from my legs so it just seems like the obvious answer would be what I was taking at the time so is this a particular birth control pill or is this just across the board or it is i believe any birth control that has hormones in them which is the majority of them um have that risk the one i was taking is called janvi and it is a generic version i believe of yes 
Um, a lot of times when women get prescribed the birth control pill, they don't even know which one that they're prescribed. The doctor goes, here's the one that you need, and they're like, all right, and they just go get it filled and they take it. Um, but I strongly encourage women to do their research on what you're taking. I wish I could say, don't ignore the signs, but the signs come too late. You know, the signs come when you already have something going on. So it, it's just a risk that comes with taking it at all. And a lot of women take it and don't have any incidents. But the one, the, it's actually a lot more common to get blood clots than I than I ever realized. Because of course I'm looking it up now. Yeah. After that, you know, and I realize how common it is. So many women get blood clots in their in their lungs or in their legs from taking birth control. Wow, and, and that's I mean that's it's terrifying. Uh, what about I mean obviously you're not wrestling now. What's the the prognosis and are you able to work out? Uh, I, I know that you're going to be doing some. Uh, I think you're doing commentary if I'm not mistaken for the Shimmer 100 tapings in uh, New Orleans. Um, yeah, uh, not for Shimmer. I am doing them for Rise. Oh, for Rise. Um, okay. Yes, which is yeah. affiliated with Shimmer, but yes. Okay. Yeah. I will be hanging out at Shimmer, I'm sure, because I will be at WrestleCon. Um, but I guess we can talk about that later. I don't know if you want me to jump in with that right now. Well, no, I, I was just going to ask, like, I mean, can you work out now? Can you, what is the situation? Yeah. The thing is, with with, uh, with clots in your lungs, it almost makes you think, you know, can you do any aerobic or even anaerobic exercise? Or do you need to just sit still and wait until this is has worked itself through? So here's the thing. If you look at me, you will never know that I'm sick or injured. I guess you would consider an injury, not an illness, since it's like something that happened to me, right? Not like an infection. Um, if you looked at me, you would never know. And I sometimes forget already. Um, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones, and I feel I really do believe that because of my lifestyle before and now after the blood clot happened, um, that I was able to recover quick because I know someone else who, I know a woman who also had blood clots who, to this day, she had them before me, she was diagnosed before me, and I know that everyone's different and all circumstances are different, but to this day, she's still incapacitated because of them, and she lives a very different lifestyle than I do, um, and I really do credit just eating healthy and exercising and you know I feel like my my body was able to recover a lot faster so the thing is with the blood clots I have to get tests done to confirm that it is not my body that's causing the blood clot in my lungs um, which is what I believe that my body is not doing that um, because if it's not then cool I only have to be on blood thinners for a short amount of time and I'll be cleared to wrestle this year if my body is making blood clots in my lungs, then I will end up like Jesse Ventura, and I may never be able to wrestle again because I would have to be on blood thinners for life. And it's not that I physically can't wrestle on them, but it would just be very, very stupid of me because if something happened, like what happened at the last shimmer tapings where I got busted open. The Terry, Funk, the Terry Funk promo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if I was on blood dinners when that happened, that would be very, very bad. Yeah, in, in that, just for the, the listeners, that you, you were, I think you were going against uh, Shaza, right? Shaza McKenzie? Yeah. 
And uh, early on in the match, you got busted open. I was at the show, and uh, I've taken both cheerleader Melissa and Shaza um, at various times when they've got busted open. I've, I've driven them to the hospital to get stitched up. And you took a, a bump, and you came up, and there's just blood everywhere. You were just the, the crimson mask. And um, so I'm just I'm walking to the back, like getting my car ready. Okay, I'm, I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking AK to the hospital. You know, it's it's gonna happen. And as it turned I, out, it's... yeah, it, it wasn't a deep enough uh, gouge, and you were fine. Like, you know, you, it, there wasn't any risk of concussion. You seemed okay, and uh, they convinced you to come out. <laughs> like, if you're not gonna go to the hospital, hey, how about instead of cleaning up, like, come out and do a promo, like a Terry Funk inspired promo for the next <laughs> taping, and uh, you friggin' killed it when you came out. H have you ever? Because you came oh, out you. like with the blood all over your face, dried blood. It, it's been two hours, three hours since you got busted open. And you came out like you were just restarting the match that you got busted open in the last time. And uh, have you ever done a Terry Funk impression before in your life? Or were you just like completely on the fly right then? That was definitely just on the fly. I've never done that before. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, I'm given the mic and something just takes over, you know? Especially with blood on your face, you just can't, it's just natural. You came out and dropped the egg-sucking dog and did the whole thing. It's just <laughs> so good. And the crowd went nuts for it. Like, all of a sudden, Allison Kay was, like, number one baby face in Shimmer. That was that was very bizarre to have everyone standing yelling Tinkies up. Yes. And I've never faced there in my life. All you had to do was just like drop like uh, what two three liters of blood, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. you're a baby face. Like I gave my own sacrifice. There you go. All right, so right now, so you're waiting on the testing to find out if the clots are produced by your body or from an outside source, and and you're waiting to find out on all of that. And does that mean, from what you said, that there's no wrestling dates that you can take until that's settled? Yeah, I'm not going to do anything physical until I am not taking blood, because uh, that just would not be wise of me. Um, but it, it's amazing how uh, one door closes, another one opens, and you forget how much you can do in wrestling without actually wrestling. <laughs> you know, so like you mentioned earlier, I'm doing the Rise commentary coming up. Yep. yep. You and uh, Veda Scott, I believe, right? Yes. Um, it's going to be me and Veda, so that is going to be the Friday before Shimmer, so on the 13th of April. Um, that's going to be my commentary debut, and then I'm also going to be doing the Rise commentary in May, on May 12th for the Pittsburgh show. Oh, very cool. And now, are you going to be down at uh, WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans, or is that something that you're yeah. not You are. So, what's that like going down there, knowing that all right, right now because of this medical situation, I can't work, but there are, I don't know how many shows. I know in Orlando last year there were over a hundred shows the week of WrestleMania, between all the independents and everything else going on. I don't know what it is in New Orleans this year, but what's it like to go down there and be there and be like, ah, oh, there's shows everywhere, and I just can't, I can't do anything. 
it's definitely going to drive me a little crazy to not be able to fully perform, but I am happy that I'm going down anyway. I have a few events that I will be doing. So the Friday and Saturday, the 6th and the 7th of April, um, it's going to be me, Allie, Rosemary, and Laurel Van Ness are doing a signing for Damage 365 promotions. That's from 10 a.m. to like 4 p.m. Um, I'm not sure exactly where. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how many buildings they have down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we'll be at that booth those two days, those two mornings. And then Saturday night at 11 p.m., we, the four of us, have a Mardi Gras balcony party. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> for Black Cat events. And so it's going to be an open bar. So you already know it's going to be nuts. Um, there's going to be a live DJ. We'll have our merchandise. It's at Swamp Bar, the Swamp Bar on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. So we'll have like beads. We'll be on the balcony, and I'll be roasting people on the balcony. Another thing that sucks about being on blood thinners is I can't drink right now. It's so probably a smart will... move, though. It's probably a smart move. Being on the balcony with the beads in New Orleans, you probably want to stay sober because otherwise yeah. stuff gets on TMZ, and you don't want that. So. Well, I'm going to be the one preventing everyone else from getting on TMZ. All right. Smart. Nice. Everybody will they'll owe you around after uh, all this blood thinner stuff is done. Yeah. Um, so about Impact. Uh, you've been in Impact now for a couple of years, and really there's been a lot that's changed since you've come on in, t- in terms of ownership and, and, and everything. It's it, it's kind of been topsy-turvy. Um, right now, uh, how do things look and feel from the inside, uh, from your perspective in, in impact? Uh, do you think that there's a, a little bit of stability now? Is it still kind of a up and down roller coaster where like, hey, everything changes and that's a good thing because things are changing and, and we're not stagnant? Uh, what's the feeling like in the, uh, the locker room in impact now after the whole uh, management change? I'm really excited with the direction that Impact's going. It feels stable to us. Um, I'm having fun. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be wrestling for a short time at least, but um, I still enjoy the direction. I enjoy the creative team, and I knew them outside of Impact as well, so I think that helps just having rapport with people. Um, And I know that the the locker room itself, I mean, we're all working towards a common goal, and I think that matters. What's the common goal? I mean, just is the common goal the 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 improvement of impact or the knockouts division or just uh, do you find everybody kind of on the same team or everybody as in hey we want to try to really increase the prestige of the world title or the knockouts title or uh, what's the the common goal I really think both. I think as a company as a whole, uh, product as a whole, and then also the national division as well. I think it's important that we have people that are there for each other. And obviously everyone wants to be the star, but we still, at the end of the day, want to help elevate one another to make it the best product that it can possibly be. Very cool. Now, and with the tapings that have gone on recently, in terms of going from location to location with Impact, uh, you've been able to bring in, or Impact has been able to bring in people, independent girls, um, the four shows who have not been booked before, uh, people like Casey Spinelli and Taya Valkyrie and and others who have kind of joined the Knockouts division in recent months. Uh, Are there any other girls on the independent circuit, be it Shimmer or anywhere 
anywhere else that you've seen that you would really like to see kind of get their opportunity and impact and, and really kind of get the spotlight shown on them? Man, I've been saying this for years in interviews, but I would love to have Madison Eagles on the roster. I think that she needs to be on TV somewhere and showcase somewhere because she's just all around amazing just in every aspect. And I think it needs to be showcased on a, a bigger platform. Um, another person is Jessica Havoc because I, I selfishly, I selfishly just want her with me um, because we make an amazing team and we have such good chemistry together, whether we're on a team or we're fighting each other. Midwest militia reunion, huh? Or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, both great talents. That's absolutely, uh, I agree with that completely. That's very cool. So other than that, um, is there anything else that you have lined up uh, or right now or are you just kind of waiting on the medical results to come through or what else is kind of on the horizon for Sienna? Yeah, right now I'm just kind of waiting on that, but then also I'm really excited to jump into this commentary. It's something that I've really been interested in and wanting, wanted to do, but didn't really have a reason to start doing it, you know? And now I'm kind of like, well, now you have nothing, now you have to, you know? So um, I'm excited to to really hone in on that and, and perfect it, because it's something that I haven't done before, but I love to talk, so I'm excited. So just like Jesse the Body Ventura, again, yeah. you know, you have the in-ring career, you have the blood clots in the lungs, and then you go on to the second career in commentary, right? So we, we got to call you uh, Allison the, the Body K. Sure, and then maybe I'll run for governor or something. Good luck with that. All right. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Santa. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Zach.